The Bible teaches us that true believers will be very peculiar to the world and, and honestly to the world will look foolish. It says it very clearly. Believers will look foolish to the world when they act like believers. <laughs> when they act like believers. We got, we got bodies everywhere. Now that doesn't mean, see, some believers, they think their job is to put on foolishness. That's not what that means. It means what we're to put on is the Holy Ghost. What, what's anointed, what's anointed is obedience. What's anointed is obedience. But there are things that the Lord will tell you that are obedient, that will look foolish to the world. The Bible's very clear about that. Now, a lot of people have problem with that because they don't want to look foolish. And the reason is because their pride gets in the way, their reputation gets in the way, and they really don't want to look foolish. And so their flesh gets in the way of that. But you have to understand when, when you really get a revelation of who God is and what he's all about, and you continue to grow in that. And which one of us here, we've arrived at all the revelation there is to know about God. Okay. If there was somebody, I was going to let you preach. And um, not really. I was probably going to cast a lying devil out. But uh, we don't. Nobody here that's listening to this got everything, got it wrapped up with God. And knows everything God knows. Not one person knows all that. So for us to think that we have a right to judge what God is doing. We have a right to judge what God is doing. How can you judge that without knowing everything about it? Like that's not even possible to judge it properly if you don't know everything about him in that way. The only way that we judge things is by the spirit. These things are spiritually discerned and there is a right and a wrong judgment. Most people operate in wrong judgment. They don't even understand the difference between the two. We did a video on right and wrong judgment. We can you, talking about showing from the word exactly what you should judge and what you shouldn't judge and how to go about doing those things. But most people have taken it upon themselves to judge, well, that's, that's God or that's not God. And one thing I've found out in ministry is don't, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised by what God does because he, he will do things completely contrary to the world's logic, completely contrary to the world's logic. And that's completely okay. That is 100% okay. I remember one day, um, this was tell on myself. I was, uh, there was a conference going on and all the speakers were like friends of mine. And, and I was like, well, how come, but I didn't get asked to speak. Well, that didn't feel good. I'm like, how come they didn't invite me? Like, I want to be invited. I want to play kickball too. I want to be on a good team. I'm like, why didn't they ask me to speak? But one thing I've learned is, and praise God, I've learned it before this, is I've learned that God doesn't always do things logically. Logically, I probably should have been speaking at that conference. Logically. But I wasn't invited. 
But then it was close enough to me that if I don't go, it looks like I'm rebelling. So now I've got to go to this conference and sit where I should be speaking. But I'm not speaking. And there's going to be people there that's like, why why isn't Pastor Brian speaking? I was like, I don't even want to go. Doggone not ask me to speak. Who do they think they are? I want to go to your silly conference anyway. I know y'all have never thought like that. But I was having those thoughts. But one thing I've learned about the Lord is He doesn't do things according to our logic. He can also see everything. He can see everything. Every detail. He can see every detail. And He knows what we need and what we don't need. What if, you know, just think about this. What if just during that conference, me not speaking and being focused in on on dishing out, I might receive something I needed. Would that be worth it for me to not speak? To humble myself? Absolutely. And so God knows what we need. See, we, we want to focus in on what we deserve in the flesh a lot of times. And, and then God pulls out a, a wild card and, and he sends us to do something that doesn't make sense. Now, some people take this message and they'll do what they should do with it. It's like, okay, sometimes God's going to tell me to do stuff. doesn't make sense. And it'll make me look foolish and I'm okay with that. That's how you should take this. Other people will take this and be like, man, I can go do whatever I want to. And if it looks illogical, well, that's okay because God do it sometimes. And they'll use that as a okay. That's not okay. He says, you need to discern everything. You need to test everything by the Spirit of God. But you got to do it right. So a lot of people, when they're discerning things and they're testing things, they're all, they're testing everything within themselves. And their knowledge up to this point, up to this level. But that's not that's not how you're supposed to test it. You're supposed to discern it by the word, discern it by the spirit, and discern it by the people that you're connected to spiritually. The word of it should line up with the word of God, it should line up with the spirit of God, and it should line up with the people that you're connected to. So a lot of people they'll just run with discernment. They'll just run with what they call discernment. And then they get off track thinking it's God, but it never was God. And when it fails and it breaks down, all of a sudden they're like, God, why'd you do this to me? God didn't do that to you. You did that to you. So you got to watch how you run with certain things. Recognize what ditch you're coming out of. One of the first things that you judge, and it is right to judge, is yourself. (laughs) Judge yourself. Lest you be judged. Self-awareness. Like not just, not just judging yourself on the intentions. <laughs> well, I meant good. Yeah, but you still hurt a lot of people. Doesn't matter what you meant. Your words hurt people. But I meant good. It doesn't matter. The, what was the fruit? You have to judge yourself. Now, I say all that to say this. That God's going to lead you into things that are going to look foolish to the world. The Bible literally says that. The world looks at it as foolish. 
that means God's going to lead you to things you don't understand. He's, it's interesting to me. It's interesting to me. I got to go back to my story. I hadn't forgotten about it, about the speaking. But it's interesting to me how many times God could just speak to somebody and, and just solve all of it. And he lays out in front of them a test of faith. Like, are you going to believe even though it's almost like there's a there's a temptation on the flesh in that moment to maybe think a different way in that moment. And God's like, what are you going to choose? And what you're actually doing is you're sowing honor. What he's presented in that moment is an opportunity to sow honor. Because God's already made a promise. Those who honor me, I will honor. And so he's trying to get honor into you. And we're either passing the test or failing the test based on how we respond. Amen. She made it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So see, we just look like, well, why doesn't God answer me? But what he's really opening the door to is faith. And what's the victory that overcomes the world? Our faith. So he's not withholding something to you. He's actually trying to get something to you. But many of us don't pass the test because we don't trust him, because we don't know him, because we, we're fussing about the test. Like, stop fussing about the test. Just pass it and win. Get a good grade and get better. And if you get a bad grade on the last test, get better for the next test. Anybody ever had a bad test with God? I should see every hand in here go up. Amen. Anybody ever had a bad test? Man, I've had some bad tests. I've had some bad ones. So I'm not invited to this conference to speak, but I needed to go there because the word says strive for unity, not strive to... Be proud of why they didn't call you and you should have been a speaker. And so because of that, I'm not going because I might look bad in front of other people because all my peers are speaking, but you're sitting in the pew. (laughs) That's what I thought. That was in my flesh. I didn't want to go. Well, turns out, now watch this. The person who was putting on the conference led by the Holy Ghost. For some reason, they didn't invite me to speak. I still need to go. Great conference. But here's what happened. That week, I had a bad week. I had a bad week. I was struggling with some stuff and putting down the flesh. and I was kind of worn, honestly. By the end of that week, I was worn. Last thing I needed to do was impart into people what I had just gone through. Now see, the Holy Ghost knew that. The Holy Ghost knew where I would be that weekend. And he said, no, don't have Brian speak. I see, if I'm in the humility, then I don't care about that. Now speak or not speak, I'm fine. See, the Lord, the Lord will do things that logically don't make sense at times. And you have to be okay with that. You have to, you have to completely be okay with that. 
You know, you may have somebody in, in the church, say in Boomerang, you may have somebody and they've been here for 20 years. And that'd be really impressive because we've only been here for 15 <laughs> in January. But you may have somebody that's been here for a long, long time. Man, they are skilled in the Holy Ghost. And, and they're both standing on the platform. And God say, call out the person who just got here a few months ago. Give a word. And the person who's been here 15 years, 20 years in their heart, in their head. <laughs> Glad you found that funny. They're like, well, why'd they call them? I'm more experienced. Well, maybe coming through that person, the way they say it will touch more lives. And it's not about you in the first place. See, God will do things illogically. And if we don't want to be counterfeit and we don't want to forfeit what we have, we got to be okay to back off of our high horse and let God do what he wants to do. Now, what does that look like? Well, I just gave you a couple of examples when I'm not invited to go speak at a conference, when I choose the less mature believer in the spirit to say something. And that's why you have to be led by the Lord. But here's what it can also look like. Man, I, Barrett ran down into the crowd and man, I feel like I'm supposed to run, but I don't want to because people might think I'm crazy. Well, that's, it's illogical in the world, but not necessarily illogical in there. Well, who was that guy up there screaming during worship? God, this is a house of, this is supposed to be a house of order. Maybe that is order. Maybe it is order. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's emotion. Maybe it's habit. Maybe God's saying to do it. I've had people come in and they actually be out of order, like be in emotions and they're worshiping, yelling. They're actually a distraction to worship or a distraction to preaching because they're just, they're loud all the time and everything. I've had people be a distraction and I've praised God for it. You know why? Well, they could be trying, at least they're trying something that is true. But I praise God for it for this reason. Good. Here's a good little religious test for all my people. See if they can get their head out of that person's actions and get it, keep it in the spirit. That's maturing. I've been like, praise God. This will be fun for a dad to watch. Because they'll grow right here. They'll have to get out of their soul and get into their spirit. Learn how to have craziness going on all around them, but still flow by the Spirit of God. How do you think Jesus put that storm down, that demonic death storm, where there was death swirling all around him in the middle of it? He couldn't pay attention to the soul the mind, the will, and emotions. He had to pay attention to the Spirit and flow by the Spirit even when ungodly, demonic stuff was happening around him. How do you think Paul made it off alive and he kept everyone with him 
in Acts chapter 27. When they had been in the tempest, they had been in this demonic storm for weeks. And all hope was gradually abandoned. That's what the Holy Spirit said about it. All hope was gradually abandoned. Because he learned in that moment, Jesus knew in that moment that even though, although demonic activity is feeling, filling the atmosphere that I'm in, and it's foolishness to me, and it's not right, they learned how to pay attention to the flow of the Holy Ghost. Say what they need to say, do what they need to do. See, logically, when Jesus came back and he told the disciples, he said, he said, oh, ye of little faith. Like, logically, they don't, like, Jesus, we were, Jesus, I, you, you, you know Peter was about to say it. It was Peter. If anybody was going to say it, it was Peter. You know it was Peter. Jesus, you do realize we were about to die. Like, Jesus, we were about to die. What do you mean, little faith? I mean, I just, I just know in my spirit, Peter was thinking that. I just know it. We were about to die. What do you mean? Yeah, a little faith. That was illogical. Like, did you see the waves? Did you see the storm? I think Jesus, if that was asked, I think Jesus would have said, did you see the word? Or did you see the waves? Yeah. <laughs> see, the word is greater than the waves. No matter how big the waves are, the word's greater than the waves. No matter how big the waves are, the word's greater. That means that's going to cause you to do illogical things. That's going to cause you to do things what the world calls foolish because you trust the Lord outside of logic. But see, it's hard to trust the Lord outside of logic when you're believing for a miracle because you got a bad doctor's report. It's hard to trust him there if you don't trust him to run if he tells you to run. Or shout when he tells you to shout. Or jump if he tells you to jump. See, if you won't do it in an environment where if you won't follow his leading in here, then when you get out there, Throughout the week by yourself, it's hard to follow them there. And what ends up happening is there was a victory there for you. There was a triumph there for you. But you forfeited it because you've got habits of the world instead of habits of the word. And we have to learn to stop forfeiting the promises of God. To be who God's called us to be. Think about this. You can turn to Luke chapter 9. I think it starts in 23. And let's just just read there. Just the first few verses. Chapter 9 and verse 23. Thank you, that was beautiful. And Jesus, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, He must deny himself and take up his cross. When? All right, let's keep that in mind. He must take up his cross. 
deny himself, crucify the flesh, how often? Okay. And follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, talking about the flesh life, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and he loses or forfeits himself? So there's things that can be forfeited. And we don't want to be the people that forfeit that stuff. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I say to you truthfully, there are some of those standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Now, for so long, we, we've equated the kingdom of God just to heaven, just to heaven. But that's not what it's talking about there. It's talking about the domain and the rule and the authority of the king. In other words, he's saying that there's people standing here, they're going to start operating in the power of heaven. They won't taste death before they start operating, truly operating in the power of God. And that's quite an accomplishment because you can know about the power of God. You can hear about the power of God, but it's a different thing to operate in it. It's a different thing. And how many people, how many believers is God willing to operate in the power of God? Oh, but what does it come back to? Well, how did he open this up? What's, what's the beginning of seeing this power of God? What's the step we're to take? Taking up our cross, crucifying, crucifying our flesh. How often? Daily. Daily. So now think about this. The Lord was bringing this up to me earlier this week. This is really not what I was going to preach. So we're going to have to rename this and come up with a new one. And amen. <laughs> Glory to God. But this is, I was going to talk more about the counterfeits that are in the world today. And we'll talk about that when it's time. But really what we want to talk about this morning by the Holy Ghost is the forfeiture of who God's called you to be. And we don't want to forfeit that. But that's not in God's hands alone. He's allowed it to be in our hands. And we've got to recognize that, that no matter how big the waves are, or what, how big the negative thoughts are, the negative emotions, or the doctor's report, or whatever it is, God's word is higher. God's word is higher. The Bible says in the King James... He's exalted his word above his name. In the New American, it, it shows us at the very least, because I studied that out, like above his name is pretty high. Is that what it says? I'll put it, some scholars you know, would say it's above it. Some, most scholars today would say it's on the same level as his name. And I would agree with that because his name is above everything. But it, it says his word is up there. At the same power of his name, the same authority as his name. What will his name do? What will his name do? A better question is, what can his name do? What can't the name of Jesus do? It can do everything. You're looking at a pastor whose life was saved miraculously because of the name of Jesus. 
and the Word of God. Literally, the power of God superseded physical law for me to be standing here today talking to you because I should have been dead. Literally performed a miracle that broke physical law. And he's done the same for many of you. We have several babies in the house that are physical law would have said that it's not possible for them to be here. But the law of God said, oh, it is possible. And we've got to yield to that and not give that up and not forfeit that. But in order to do that, it's not that God's withholding it. He's not withholding any good thing to those who walk uprightly. What's holding it up is our lack of walking uprightly. Our lack of walking in faith, our lack of walking in hope, our lack of walking in the love of God, our walking more in cares and concerns and worries and and all of these things. And we've got to get away from those things so we can walk like God wants us to walk, so that we can be the lights of God that he's called us to be and not dim. Tell your neighbor, say, don't be dim. Tell your other neighbor, the one you really wanted to tell, don't be dim. (laughs) We want to be the lights of God. We want his anointing. But now watch this. Why are we here? Why Why do you think most people go to church in America? Why do most people go to church in America? Because it's obvious that they don't change. Because if if they change, there'd be fruit from a change. So why do they go to church? Because the state of the church in America as a whole, I'm not talking, you got to understand you've got people that are playing church and then you have the real church. The real church is having great success right now. It's doing awesome. It's actually the strongest I believe it's ever been. But you've got a lot of people playing church. And why, why, why do you think they go to church? Most of the time because their conscience, their conscience tells them they're, they're not doing everything right. And they balled into a lie that says if I go to church, then at least I'll, I'll pay the price, I check the box, and I'll feel better about myself at least once a week. But then you watch and the fruitfulness is not there. The morale, if that was the case, if they actually changed every single week, what would happen to the morality of our country? It would go up. But let me ask you a question, especially those that are older than 40. Over the last 20 years, has the morality in the country gone up? No, it's taken a nosedive. And that ought to tell us something because the, Timothy says that the church is the pillar of truth. He says that the light of God in John chapter 1, it says the darkness can't comprehend it. What that literally means is the darkness has no answer for the light. So if the people of God were being the light of God, darkness would be being dispelled. But the darkness isn't being dispelled. 
at the rate that it should, at the level that it should. So what does that tell us? Is the light growing or is the light dimming? At least it has been. But now that may be, and maybe you're the one that's been keeping it dim. Maybe you're the one that's been not keeping it. You've been the one that's been actually brightening it. But regardless of that, regardless of where we fall in that, where's our responsibility to continue to forfeit the light that God's given us and the power of the kingdom of God? Or is our responsibility as believers to increase the light? To increase it, no matter who we are or where we are. Our job is to increase it. 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 That means individually and corporately, we do what it takes for the light to shine brighter. He even commands us in Isaiah talking about the church today, arise, shine, for your light has come as a commandment. So we're not supposed to be the ones that are sitting down and being more dim. We're supposed to be the ones that are arising and shining. It should, and if we're arising and shining and darkness has no way of defeating the light, we should be seeing progress and success where we are. Now, I'll tell you in this, in this church, we're seeing some of that. But understand that just because the church that you go to is seeing some of that light doesn't mean that you're the one producing it. It could just be a good environment created by other people and you get to be a part of that and many of the blessings that you're receiving is simply because somebody else is light. So don't just attribute your miracle to your light. Your miracle could be the, fr- the fruit and the produce of somebody else's light. Your supernatural protection could be not your prayer that you prayed that morning, but the covering prayer of your pastor that morning. Well, I prayed and God protected me supernaturally. I saw it happen and I prayed this morning. Really? Was it your prayer? Do you know that for a fact? Do you know that for a truth? Or was somebody else praying for you that you you didn't even know? See, our flesh likes to grab a hold of that stuff for ourselves. It was me. My faith has grown up to this. See, we can't do that. There's a lot of variables involved in miracles. There's a lot of variables involved in your covering and your protection. And you're you're doing well. You know, I could look back at that day when the miracle happened that kept me alive. and I could take this approach. I had such an important mission in my life. That the Lord said, I have to save him. He's too important. Or I could say, my dad prayed and his faith saved me. And I had nothing to do with it. And God just didn't want him to have a tragedy. 
Now, it could be a combination of all of that and probably a hundred other variables. But regardless, I definitely can't take all of that glory for myself, can I? And I shouldn't. That would be the wrong heart. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about we need to stop forfeiting what we have and we just need to do what the Word says. There's so many things that I watch as a pastor and over time. There's so many things that I see that if we would just do what this says, it would handle it. I've watched people mess up relationships, burn bridges, do all that stuff. And all they, if all they do is do what it says, go to the brother and talk to him if you got a problem with him. <laughs> Just go to him. Talk to him. Don't even give your offering. Leave your, leave your offering at the altar and go to that brother and talk to him before you even do anything else in the kingdom of God. Go to him. If, if you just get in fellowship, in Him we live. Oh, I just don't know what to do. If you just get in fellowship, you'll know what to do. Yes. If you'll seek Him with all your heart. There's so many things that if we just know what the Scripture tells us to do and do, it would solve so many problems. It would solve so many problems. But we're not doing the Word. Because daily... We're not crucifying our flesh. We're feeding our flesh. And we're forfeiting the promises of God and receiving a counterfeit lower than what it could be. Now this series, I understand. When the Lord woke me up and said, you know, counterfeits and forfeitures, I understand just the title alone. I was like, I don't want to preach that. And I'm pretty sure their flesh doesn't want to hear that series. So why would the Lord give us a series like this? Well, one, we need it, yeah. But why else would he give it to us? Because without understanding the forfeitures that we can give up, and the counterfeits that we can receive, we won't receive the real and we won't put down the forfeits. And so by, by function of that, we actually will live a lesser life by the function of it. So without recognizing, don't you know that the scripture says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge? Another scripture says my people are gone into captivity for a lack of understanding. And so this lack of knowledge and lack of understanding and lack of revelation of these things is causing the people of God to be pulled on and destroyed and in captivity. Well, that's not happening in Boomerang. <laughs> that's funny. See, the issue is we just don't have a revelation of what's normal to God. Because what's normal to God is heaven. Where there is no problem that doesn't have a solution. What's normal to God is the anointing that breaks every yoke. The shield of faith that quenches every fiery dart. 
What's normal to God is that you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. What's normal to God is that he's already granted to you everything pertaining to life and godliness. And he's made you and already granted to you a divine participation with his divinity. Made you to be a partaker of his divine nature. That's normal to God. In other words, you look like God, act like God, walk like God. And I could just poll you and I could say, who, who walked like God this week? I mean, who had a week like that? And then I could have people that would raise their hand and say, man, I walked like God this week. But then I could keep on asking you questions and find an area of your week where you didn't walk like God. I pretty much am guaranteed that I could do that with every person in the room. But we're not called to walk like God part of the week or every few months. But to walk in it every second of every day, a, a partaker of his divine nature. And many of us, we've had weeks, you know, maybe just a few months ago or a few weeks ago. And we're like, glory to God, I have arrived. I got this thing wrapped up. I've had my moment. And me and God are awesome. And just fast forward a few weeks. All of a sudden, it don't look the same. All of a sudden, it's like, what in the world was I talking about? I had lost my mind for a moment thinking that I had arrived with God. And then I'm talking to all kinds of different people today. There's some people that they're like, yeah, everything's good. And then there's some people that's like, it's horrible. The wind, the waves. <laughs> and there's everywhere in between. And the world will test you and try you and throw stuff at you. And, but it's time for us to not live like survivors, but live like thrivers. But in order to do that, we have to not forfeit ourselves. And this is what the Lord was bringing up to me this week. I want you to think about this. How often should we be making changes? Huh? If he says take up your cross daily, that means I'm having to put some flesh piece to death today, another flesh piece tomorrow, and another flesh piece the next day, and another. That's a whole lot of changing, y'all. That's a whole lot of change. That, now watch this. That means, because most people are not malicious, they're not evil. <laughs> most people are not evil. They're not like, this is bad, this is wrong, this is sin, and I know it is, and I'm going to do it. <laughs> most people are not like that. Most people are doing what they do because they think it's right. But to the same people that think that it's right, Versus the people that think that it's wrong. The same command is there. Pick up your cross daily. Yeah. Crucify the flesh daily. 
So the people, whether they think they're right or people that think that they're wrong, there's something for them to change and put down that's different than how they think now every single day. Every day. If you now think about that, let's just let's not even say it's more than one a day. Let's just say it's one a day. Just one a day. You know, like the vitamins you're supposed to take. Just think, it's one change a day. That's 365 changes a year. Every year, you should look totally different. You should be walking in more anointing, walking in more revelation, walking in more peace. If you made 365 godly changes a year, do you know how much your life is going to go up? So now let's just put it on a curve where we started at versus where we are versus 365 changes a year times how many years you've been a Christian. What should we look like? I'm talking to me too. What should we look like versus where we are? Now this is that difference is where the Bible says judge yourself. And stop being okay to look like you do. Because God's looking for people to shine. He's looking for people to stop forfeiting. I've had moments in my life where it's just like, man, I feel like I'm walking directly with God. And then I, I go down the road some months and some years and, I, and I've thought, how in the world did I get here? I feel like I don't even know God right now. And I'm the pastor. This is bad. I feel like I don't even know him. And like I had this great moment a few months ago. What in the world has happened? What is going on? And generally it comes down to not doing what that word says and not crucifying the flesh daily. And in the end, I receive a counterfeit from the promise and the blessing that I could have. And I forfeit that promise. I forfeit that truth. I forfeit that blessing. Because I didn't crucify the flesh that day. And the day before. And the day before. Any of you ever started a Bible plan and you're reading the Bible plan? Anybody in here willing to raise their hand and say, I didn't finish it? <laughs> and it's like, now, now, there's certain things with different people. Now you scrolled on Instagram. You, you scrolled on Facebook for those over 40 and 50. Because there's a divide. Used to, Facebook was popular with everybody. Before that was MySpace. Which I think was probably better. Amen. At least you had control of your own page, sort of. But you scrolled on that, but didn't read the Bible plan. What happened right there? You made a choice. And it wasn't to crucify the flesh. It was to do what the flesh wants to do. Yeah, You fed the flesh. Well, Pastor Brian, this is too simple. 
<laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me about it. And it's this simplicity that's either going to propel us forward or hold us back. Now think about this. How many people, how many people when you came into Boomerang, your flesh was challenged? <laughs> your flesh was challenged. How many people you're like, man, I don't want to do what God's telling me to do right now. You're willing to say it. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to run. I don't want to jump. I don't want to give. I don't want to go to the altar. I don't want him to pray for me. But doggone it, he walked back and he prayed for me even if I didn't come to the altar. <laughs> he prayed for me anyway. And he put me on the spot. Can I pray for you? Well, yeah, if I tell you no, I look like a jerk. <laughs> so it's like, I didn't even choose to put down my flesh. Welcome to Boomerang. Like, I wasn't even going to do that. All of a sudden, here I am, putting my flesh down to save face, to save the other part of the flesh. Maybe God's smarter than you. <laughs> Kevin said, quit looking at me. <laughs> Isn't it good that God is merciful? Isn't it good that God knows how to help us when we're missing it? Praise the Lord. I watched somebody one time. They were so called up in the opposite sex. Not born again. Man, wrapped up. In the opposite sex. Lord had me start praying for him. I was like, Lord, I was like, maybe, maybe you're going to send them somebody that's on fire for Jesus that catches their attention. That looks good or something. Because that's what's motivating them right now is if they look good. Like, I was like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know you're going to get to him somehow. And I was praying in the Holy Spirit for him. Man, you got to understand this person when they dated, they like all of them were like nines and tens. Everybody they dated, nines, am I right? You know who I'm talking about. All of them were like nines and tens. They started... I mean, it's like impressive. Like, you know, every time they brought their, every, they're like, hey, I'm dating somebody else. I'm like, this is going to be, well, this will be cool. At least it'll be entertaining to see because they're always decent looking. They're always really good looking. So it's like, you know, the new flavor of the month, but at least they look good, you know? Like they can't keep anybody, but at least they got good taste, you know? 
I got, I got George. Man, they said, man, I'm dating this girl. They came to me and they said, man, I'm dating this girl. I was like, okay. I said, he, he said, I want you to meet him. Why, why do you want me to meet him? Well, they're a Christian and they go to church and he knew I was a Christian. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm thinking, how do I say this? You've been entertained from the moment I started this story, knowing where it's going. You got to understand, all of them had been like nines and tens up to this point. No, she wasn't. Yeah. She was very average, extremely average. You got to understand the contrast here, though. Like, you got to, am I telling the truth? You got to understand the contrast. Because it's like everybody else they had dated, they walk into the room and everybody's like, ooh, 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 you know, like this. Nobody would have seen this person. Nobody would have seen this person. And I realized, I want, I, want, I want you to see something. I'm like, Lord, you have blinded his vision right here. Because in that moment, he talked about them the same way he talked about the tens. And I was like, I had been praying for him. Like, use, Lord, use whatever you got to do to get him to the gospel. It was just a matter of time. He was born again. Just a matter of time, he was born again. I mean, a few months, he was born again. And then they broke up. And he went back to tens. No, I'm not kidding. I'm like, what was that? Let me tell you something. That person that wasn't a ten had the heart of God. And that's what he needed at that moment. And God took what he was interested in and for a moment helped him to see something other than that so that he could reach him. I think the next person he dated after that, I think he got married to. Strong Christian lady. and uh, But all back to a different level. But it's like, I, I, you have to understand, if you were in that situation, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm like watching this. Boom, 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 boom. What? <laughs> Why are you telling this story, Pastor Brent? I don't know right now. It's touching somebody. It's helping somebody. I'm like, I introduce it. I, I thought it was a joke. I was like, I literally had to stop and figure out, like, is he pulling my leg? He's trying to pull a fast one on his buddy. I'm not joking. That was serious. 
And I'm like, how can you go from that thinking to this thinking? Like, this is not even close. I mean, this is not even close. Am I, am I, I'm not exaggerating. I'm like, that's not even close. That's the mercy of God helping him. The mercy of God came in because of prayers and helped him for a moment to be blind to those things that were so important to him. And he saw something different. He saw what he needed him to see so that Christ could reach him. The mercy of God helps us. The mercy of God helps us. And, and so, see, even when we are so wrapped up in our flesh, the mercy of God is present. And praise God for the mercy of God. And I think we're going to get to heaven and there's going to be things that we didn't crucify the flesh on. But we're going to find out that the Lord helped us so much that we'll be embarrassed to ever take any credit for any good decision. I think this is part of what you see when Jesus says, when, when the rich young ruler comes up and says, Good master. And the rich young ruler goes, good master. And he says, there's only one that's good. There's only one that's good. Like if anybody could have claimed goodness, Jesus could have claimed it. But he was like, you got to understand, I don't do anything good but what I see the Father do. I don't say anything good but what I hear the Father say. And, and he had a revelation that all of his goodness came from the Father. And see, this is a part of putting down our flesh is that we, we stop thinking the actions that we've been doing that we know are righteous. Uh, we stop taking credit for those. And this is a part of putting down our flesh. And we start recognizing the Lord's helping us. He's helping us a lot. He's helping us more than we even have knowledge of. And so because of that, Lord, let me help you out and stop fighting the system. And let me crucify the flesh and stop forfeiting uh, all of these blessings. Let me stop getting the counterfeits. Let me crucify the flesh daily. I've got something to change today. And today in this message, it could just be the heart to say, Lord, I give you me. And I stop acting like I've arrived at something. I stop acting like I have enough knowledge to judge you. And I'm willing to say, Lord, you're, you're probably going to ask me to do something out of my comfort zone. Probably today. You're probably going to ask me to crucify my flesh today. I mean, it only makes sense if he gave us a command to crucify our flesh daily. That, that leads us to, you know, Come to, the, come to the solution that, or come to this that he's going to say, I'm going to ask you for something today to do that. Yeah. I'm going to ask you today to do something that crucifies your flesh today. Most, most people that go to church in America, if you ask them, when's the last thing God asked you to do something, they probably couldn't give you an answer. Yeah. For me, the last thing that God asked me to do was tell that story. And before that, it was to go this direction in the message when I have notes yeah. to go a different direction. Yeah. And before that was to not do the offering when it was time to do the offering. Yeah. And before that was to let uh, Pastor Nicole speak when the anointing was on her when normally I speak. Yeah. And before that was to jump when I didn't feel like jumping. Yeah. And before that, you know, I, I could keep going back. There's things that we crucify every single day. We, we literally got on a, on a red-eye flight last night at 1 o'clock in the morning here, landed at 5 o'clock this morning, 
Then got the bags, drove here, got here about, went, I went to bed at like 6.45, had about two hours, two and a half hours sleep on the plane. And slept as long as I could and not be too late for church and get here. But that's putting down my flesh. That doesn't happen every Sunday, but it's today. It's today. And, you know, it's one thing to come and preach. It's another thing to bring an anointing. To put down your flesh and bring an anointing. So it's, it's flowing in the Holy Ghost. And see, these are things that we're asking, you know, like, here's the thing. If, if I said, hey, I need you to go pray for somebody at the hospital right now. Pastor, it's 2 a.m. I know I'm calling you. How do you think I know that it's 2 a.m.? Because I've already gotten the phone call to wake me up. Right? And see, most people be like, he better not call me. I ain't going to the hospital. But yet, we want to be used by God. We want the things of God, but we don't want to yield when it's time to yield. We don't, we don't want to do that. We don't want to crucify our flesh. And because of that, we're forfeiting the promises of God. We're, we're receiving the counterfeit, lower blessings. We're compromising, we're surviving, but we're not thriving. I want to I change, I want to receive the higher things of God. Stop thinking about the worry. But I'm worried about it. I, I, I know, stop. Be anxious for nothing. Cast your cares on the Lord. I could tell you about something just this week that I had to worry about. Pretty major. If I wanted to worry about it. I just decided not to. Just decided not to. Guess what? Worship right over there just a few minutes ago broke. Felt it break. Could have been worried about it. See, you're, you're, you're making choices to crucify the flesh all the time. You're making choices to crucify the flesh all the time. And you have to say, well, I know that this has been my normal, but God's normal is different. I'm going to do it that way. I don't care what my normal has been. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to go after Him. Otherwise, we're forfeiting. We're receiving the counterfeit. Why has God given us this message? Boomerang, he never wants you to receive another counterfeit again. He never wants you to forfeit one blessing ever again. He never wants you to just survive ever again. He never wants mediocrity to hit you ever again. He wants you to be the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. He wants you blessed going in and blessed going out. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field. He's always leading you to triumph. No matter what you see, no matter what you feel, these are the promises of God. This is the heart of God. And it's time for believers to believe. But we don't step into those areas without crucifying the flesh. 
He's given us all of these promises, but so few are grabbing a hold of it. And his eyes are still looking for the ones whose hearts are pure towards him so that they can run with him. They can run with him. They can run with him. They can be a light. A light that God's calling and wants to use. He's looking for people that will run with him. If you don't know what they're doing, we got a rule around here. If you feel the faith to give and it's your time to give and faith hits you, give then. You don't have to wait. We didn't do an offering. They're making their own offering time by faith. They're making their own offering time by faith, by crucifying the flesh. I love what Brother Tracy said at my birthday dinner. I love it. I've been meditating on it the whole time. He said, what does it say about this place? That when you have a moment that the flesh could just sit in, the heart of the people is to flow in the anointing of God. How much, what kind of place is it? Where the people could say, oh, my, oh man, this is a time to celebrate in the flesh. But they'd rather break into church and have a, have a move of the Holy Ghost. What does that say about a place? Woo. What does that say about a place? What does that say about a people? Lord, we want to, do you, you think, think about this. When the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro around the, around the world and he's looking at different churches and he's got his eyes set and he's looking for a place to move in. What, what place? You think he is not a good steward? Of the finances of the kingdom of God, of the true riches? You think he's a bad steward? You think he's going to give it to the person who didn't handle well the small things? Or is he going to say, who handled well the small things in the kingdom of God? Who, who will handle this big thing now? Who's hungry? Who, what church do I see on the earth who'd rather have a move of God than they would a birthday party? How, how many? What church would rather have the anointing? They'll quit to put their flesh down and step into it. You think that God is not a good steward? That he's looking? He's looking for some place to pour out his glory and he's not going to see a place like this? I'm telling you, boomerang, you're about to receive a move of God in your life, in in your church, in your homes, in your families. You're about to receive it. God's looking for a people whose heart is poured towards him whose heart is is not holding back. He's looking for a people who says, Lord, you're my Lord. I'm not my Lord. My logic's not my Lord. My reputation's not my Lord. You are my Lord. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. Jump. How high? Lord, you're my Lord. He's looking for people like that.